This is Peter Field of the Triple Vision Podcast, and you're listening to AT Banter. Banter, banter. Hey, and welcome to a- another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Uh, hey, this is, of course, the podcast where we talk with advocates and members of the disability community to educate and inspire better conversation about disability. Hey, my name is Rob Mano, and joining me today, Mr. Banter Banter himself, Brian Fleury. Hello, everybody. We're back. Now, so, and Brian, so, okay, hold on. I'm going to introduce Liz first. So, and also joining us, of course, as usual, the <laughs> lovely, the talented, the stabbed, stabby, Liz Malone. Hi, I'm bleeding. <laughs> yeah okay well we'll get to that story uh quickly but no i just had to say ryan i think ryan derailed me did he not do his intro incorrectly when steve isn't here isn't for when steve isn't here don't we don't we, we typically leave a gap yeah yeah we but you we don't say banter banter but you hit the cowbell and you did it reverse this time that's right screw steve okay <laughs> okay <laughs> Okay, you just, I just I wanted to then make sure I wasn't going crazy. <laughs> no, you're good. So you're just trying to throw me up. Uh, Absolutely, that's my job. Well, you do a fine job. Well done. Thank yes, you. Well, well done. So now uh, Liz was just giving us an update um, before the mics came on, and it's it's a bit of a it's an avocado related story that I thought she could maybe share with the audience just so they're up to date with uh, <laughs> Liz's medical conditions. <gasps> So uh, why, don't you, why don't you tell the fine folks at home uh, just what happened? So, I, oh God, I'm calling this avocado's revenge is the best way to sum it up. But I'll just say that if you're like me and you deep hit your avocado with a, with a knife and a bare hand, you may want to rethink it. <laughs> learn, from, <laughs> learn from my stupidity. So yeah, so I was stabbing the avocado pit with a knife and I missed the pit. Or I think the, you know what? I think the insect, on hindsight, I think the avocado ducked. <laughs> like I think it did, a, I think it leaned out of the way and it just went right into my hand. Man. Um, I, could, I could see that, right? Couldn't you, I think that that avocado had some moves. And I just, see, I told you earlier, there's an easier way to eat avocado and it's called guacamole. <laughs> But no, <laughs> you got to do it the hard way. So yeah, my 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 love affair with avocado has become a little more complicated. And so now you didn't have to go to the ER or anything. You just you just applied pressure and just got a neighbor to help you. Is that is that what happened? Yeah, and then I went to the doctor to make sure I was up, updated with my tetanus, and they took a look at it, my oh. hand, and they said. Um, you might have, you may have nicked your tendon or your nerve. So we want you to go to a hand specialist. So, you know. Yeah, she can't clench her fist now. So she can't, oh. she can't use her hands. <laughs> she can my, smack people, but <laughs> <laughs> can't close only, her hand. Only open hand smacks. That's it. That's all I got yes. right now. <laughs> <laughs> that is going to impact your work. Um, so. <laughs> Now, I think the burning question on everybody's mind, though, is did you end up eating the avocado or did you just throw it? Because <laughs> that's, that's, that's the same and... question I asked. Ryan asked me that too. 
That's and awesome. what's the answer? Did you what happened? Oh, I ate that little piggy. That piggy's gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. So yeah. It, yeah, it was a happy ending, sort of. Sort not of. Really. Actually, not really, I guess. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Well, uh, I hope that uh, there's nothing permanent and that you're- Well, the you're... funny thing is she's growing an avocado plant and it was sitting there giggling the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Man, maybe there could be something to that. Maybe, maybe it is avocado's revenge. I don't know. I think so. Yeah. And then you know, and I was just, I was telling Ryan before, before when we were off, off mic. I said, I said it's so sad because there I am, like creating more life with an avocado pit. You know, I didn't just like throw it out. I was like, I want to sprout this pit and have, and so I, I do. I have a, I have an avo- baby avocado tree in my home, hmm. and this wow. is the thanks I get. Yeah, really. And what do, what do we say, Brian? Stabby asshole. Stabby asshole. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to call it stabby asshole. And see, now it's it's just a shame that our guest actually showed up today because I feel like we could have done 45 minutes just talking about avocado plants. <laughs> however, however, our guest actually did show up. Uh, and uh, I think we should move on and introduce our guest to the audience. What do you guys think? Yes, sure, yes, yes. Enough about it. enough about stabbing. All right, Ryan, Rob, what the heck are we doing today? Today we are talking with editor in chief over at the squeakywheel.org, Stephen Vertle. Welcome, Stephen. Hello, hello. So, do you have ideas now for the squeaky wheel? All about avocado. <laughs> I do. I have to. I have to give some good avocado humor. <laughs> Get up in there. Excellent. Well, listen, we are very excited to be speaking with you. Uh, I have to say right off the off the top, I absolutely love the site. Uh, I think it's it's amazing on so many levels. So I'm really excited that you're here uh, to talk about it. Um, but before we get to the website, maybe we could just uh, start off by just maybe just giving the audience a, a little bit of background uh, about yourself, and then we can dive into the website and, and how it all got started. Sure. So uh, my name is Steven. I am from New York City. I am a power wheelchair user. I have a disability known as spinal muscular atrophy. And the Squeaky Wheel was a project that I started about three years ago, um, sort of right at the height of the pandemic. I was looking for kind of an outlet to tell some of these funny disability stories that I had in my mind. I had been trying to figure out the right way to get it across. And as I saw all these different true disability stories being covered in different media outlets, it all felt very silly and a little bit like they were kind of missing the point and that they were all very clearly marketed towards a non-disabled audience and that the stories of disabled people were kind of being used against them and there was the whole inspiration porn idea. And it really was kind of resonating with me a lot and sort of how to mock that and how to make fun of it and how to find humor and ableism and all of these things sort of culminated in the Squeaky Wheel. Um, In the three years since I launched the website, we've published over 250 articles. We have done speaker panels. We've had 25 or so contributing writers. Um, What I'm very excited about is we are working on an upcoming television series, specifically in Canada for disabled Canadians. Um, that'll be coming out sometime 
next summer. So we're really excited about that. And really the project has sort of exploded in a way I didn't think it initially would. Um, we also founded a nonprofit organization so that all the kind of money that we're raising is being used to pay our writers and that we can really make the Streaky Wheel something that is sustainable and has a really big impact um, within the disabled community. In a basic sort of elevator pitch, can you sort of tell the audience what the what the the concept of the squeaky wheel is? Sure. So I'd say the squeaky wheel kind of takes a format of like internet satire that a lot of people are familiar with, with publications like The Onion, um, or if you're in Canada, The Beaverton. It's another big one over there. It's kind of the parody news, fake yeah. story headlines format, but we're taking it and applying it specifically around disability topics by disabled people writing the stories and kind of with a disabled audience in mind. So it's kind of combining the familiar beloved form of internet satire and then putting that disability spin on it. Um, we talk about disabilities ranging from physical ones, neurological conditions, neurodiversity. We have blind writers, deaf writers. We really kind of cover the entire spectrum. Um, and we also talk a lot about things like healthcare and education and technology and kind of all these different broader topics um, within society that affect disabled people. So now you say the audience is is mainly for the disability community. Um, is there sort of like a, when you started it, was there a, sort of an underlying mandate that you, you wanted to to fulfill or and and how did how did the humor aspect of it kind of help fulfill that so when i first started it, i wrote the first 30 or so stories um myself and prior to even launching the website just so i kind of launched it with a lot ready to go and made sure that i really had a clear vision and tone and while i always kind of wanted it to be sort of have massive appeal have a appeal to both disabled and non-disabled people most importantly i wrote what i thought was funny myself um and it's kind of just going off that gut that if this is a joke that i think is funny there's probably other people like me who think it's funny and if non-disabled people find it funny great more power and even better and i think it really creates a sort of almost an accessible way for non-disabled people to learn about some of these disability topics because it's not insulting them. It's kind of welcoming them into the community with humor and letting them know that disabled people are funny and have a sense of humor and take their their lives lightly at times and are comfortable sort of finding the jokes within their experiences. So it is a very welcoming and writing type of uh, writing. And I think that really has been helpful in kind of bridging that gap between the disabled audience and the non-disabled audience. But to more clearly answer you, there's never like a mandate or anything that it was had to be kind of for disabled people. It just naturally became that way because there was a mandate that it had to be from disabled people. It's interesting too, because I feel like uh, for a lot of people in the community, they will use humor to, like you said, bridge that connection between people, 
perhaps people that they're just meeting or um, you know, even friends and family that they, they use it to sort of disarm that that awkwardness that can be that can be sort of built in. So humor can be a really, really powerful uh, tool in that sense. Um, and I think that that extends even even farther into society, which we can we can sort of get to um, a bit later. But I, I also tend to think that really the disability community, it's, it's a bit of a goldmine when it comes to this type of humor, because most everybody has some sort of story or some sort of personal experience of something sort of absurd or ridiculous that they've had happen to them as a result of, you know, interacting with, uh, with a, a sort of the general population. Oh, absolutely. I think that every disabled person has like a thousand stories of kind of awkward encounters and weird discrimination and things that are related like are they pitying me do they like me are they mocking me there's all these kind of really weird interactions that people have all the time constantly non-stop and i think that's why it's kind of a very like ripe source of material for for comedy and for humor is because it's everywhere and really i'd say in the last five years there's a lot more content around it but prior to that there was almost nothing in any format that was disabled people telling their own awkward funny stories and now we have great things on television like um, special is one that i really like there's movies like champions and the peanut butter fountain like there's a lot going on in media now that is really authentic and exciting but it's new and it makes it really easy to kind of find all these ideas so do you find writing these humorous stories in a way helps um, you process sort of experiences that you may have that may like really frustrate you? Absolutely. I think when I started it, it felt very much like that, where this was sort of an outlet where I could talk about funny things that happened to me and kind of make them not so personal by making them satire and fictional characters and stories where you're not really kind of putting your own identity out there in that way, which was something I never really enjoyed or wasn't as comfortable with. And now that it's grown, what it's become, which is even more exciting, is a platform that other disabled people want to write for and look forward to reading. And I think that's even more kind of empowering because when there's some crazy thing that happens out in the world if some celebrity or politician says the most heinous ableist shit that you can possibly imagine i have an outlet that we can now go and respond to that and write to it and it's not going to be seen by millions but it'll be seen by thousands of other disabled people and that's really cool yeah and i think that that's that's another important aspect of this too is that so you know somebody in the community reads an article gets a chuckle out of it but they it also like to a degree like it's like yeah like somebody else has gone through something absurd like i have and so there's there's a there's a real community element to it absolutely there's so many times that people come to me with stories and they always start and they say hey i don't know if if this is really you know appropriate this is very specific to me and actually, it's something that I've experienced and something that hundreds of other people have, too. Like, the the more specific you can get, it's almost the more applicable that becomes to everyone. It's it's quite interesting how people can, can really relate to things that are seemingly 
so specific at the surface. So I have to say, like, I, I and it's funny, you know, I, I actually emailed Ryan and, and Liz earlier today because I was going through a lot of the stories and I was just like, I, I don't know, I collected like four or five that were like my, my top favorites and I sent them over to them. Um, and I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> but can't I, help I, everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And he's still laughing. <laughs> that one just made me almost spit up what I was drinking. It was funny. <laughs> And so, I don't know, I guess the, the more I was reading, though, the, the more a common theme began to um, reveal itself, at least in the ones that I was reading, in the sense that it really, a lot of the stories really highlight the sort of absurdity of ableism and, you know, inaccessibility and healthcare and so many, so many of these things that are real social problems so do you find that that being able to sort of illustrate that absurdity is there a process when you're writing a story that you are trying to illustrate the the problem the underlying social problem behind that given issue absolutely i love that that sort of came to you as you're reading through our stories that makes me very happy that that kind of shines through our work and I think really what it comes down to is a lot of the stuff that we're joking about is stuff that's very serious and very sensitive for a lot of people. Um, it's not that easy to joke about health insurance because so many people don't have it, um, at least here in the U.S. I know in Canada, things are a bit different, but same principles kind of exist across the globe where these topics that we're joking about often involve people being really sick, people being hurt, people not receiving equal treatment, people being discriminated against and not getting jobs and all these things that are really difficult. And then when you're like, how do I make that funny? You kind of have to identify where is it all going wrong? Like what is the underlying cause of this usually systemic type issue? And then that becomes really the target that you can mock and make fun of. So I think really a little bit of the charm that we go for is we're never making fun of the disabled person. We're kind of making fun of the ableism that is being placed upon them. And really all that, all that is in most circumstances is taking these real life situations that happen and saying, no, look how it looks from my perspective to be on the receiving end of your ableism and, and look at how it makes you seem, you seem a little bit, cartoonish or villainous or kind of awkward. And that's really where a lot of the, the comedy comes from. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because that's, that's exactly what I kind of thought about. You're, you're making, you're really, the, the site is really all about making fun of ableists really. I mean, at the core of it and not making fun of it in a mean way, but just like, again, it's, it's isolating these ridiculous and absurd attitudes that, that are prevalent in our society and shining a spotlight on it in hopes that, you know, people will realize that, uh, you know, the absurdity of holding those, those types of attitudes. Absolutely. And I, I hope that in a way, if, if anyone's reading it and they see any of that in themselves, then that's a, an opportunity for them to reflect on it and say, you know, do I want to be the person that is cartoonishly evil? That is it. This is that what I want to be. Um, and I, I think that 
it comes across well better in some stories than others, but that's always the goal is to kind of target the ableism and not the disabled person. Yeah, well, I think that that's, that's the really important part about using humor as, as that in, um, because when, when you're using comedy as sort of a disruptor for social change, what you're allowing people is sort of a safe entry point. People can take criticism a lot better when it's a, it's in a joke or it's it's as part of a humorous story. I think that that's far less threatening to people than you know coming up and calling them on some sort of an attitude or a behavior. Absolutely, I know. I think you totally nailed it. Um, I also want to say I'm thinking now about some of the listeners of this who might not be familiar with Spooky Real or our stories or anything like that. Do you mind sharing any of the the headlines that you were looking at earlier today, I think that might oh, provide sure. some good context for the for the listeners. Let me see. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, okay. So but they just, were all good. They were all good. I mean, Elmo reveals lifelong accessibility needs. Quote, I literally can't move without a grown man's hand up my ass. <laughs> that is a great one. Oh, this perfect, perfect. You know, we at, at here on the show, we're always screaming about accessibility. So this one made me really laugh. But, you know, providing accessibility deemed, quote, slippery slope to providing all basic needs. Yeah, it's so good. City celebrates disability activists after fighting lawsuit and losing. I also, I would love to take this chance to shout out those first two stories that you mentioned. The yep. Elmo story and the slippery slope were both written by the same writer. Um, Leslie, who is one of our international writers all the way from England. And I think, yeah, I mean, you can see as you're going through the website that everyone resonates with different ones. And I think that's great. Um, but yeah, there's both a really kind of unique and specific element to each story, as well as kind of a general tone for the entire publication that's really exciting. So I, I was actually curious about the writing team. Does everybody sort of have their own style and their own sense of humor that really come out in the stories? It, what's the editing process like? Sure. So I can talk about it from a few different angles. The first is that we have a very kind of open submission policy, meaning anyone from any country, any age, any disability, anything like that is welcome to submit headlines at any time. Um, there's a form right through our website where people can submit and if they're interested in writing, they get to receive kind of a writer's guide that breaks down all the, the different things that go into our stories and kind of the how to register to real story 101 type thing. Then as I'm getting submissions, I'm always going through them and trying to figure out, is this something that we've already covered or is this something that is new and exciting? Um, First and foremost, is it funny? Does it make me laugh? And then there's other kind of speak real writers I often re refer to and talk to and say, you know, what do you think of this one? What do you think of this one? And then as the stories get approved and the writers are writing them, um, we have kind of a copy edit process on the, on the flip side once the story has already been drafted. And we go through it and we say, okay, you know, is there anything that's too uh, sort of, too extreme in any one direction that's really off from what we kind of adhere to? Is it really tackling the spooky real principles? Is it talking about some form of ableism? Is it funny? Is it, you know, appropriate? We really 
try to be mindful that while we're talking about such sensitive topics that we treat them with that type of sensitivity that they deserve. Um, and then I think you see the results in the website that what comes out is these really fun, exciting stories that are from all around the world, from all different people. You know, really at the, at the core of this, you know, you guys are, are using humor rather than, than anger and outrage to underlie a lot of, a lot of the problems with, with ableism and access, inaccessibility and such. Do you find that it's kind of hard to maintain that balance between, you know, being being pissed off about something and then being able to take that and spin it into something that's that's funny? Is, it, is that a hard process to go through? I think it's something that comes easily to me, but I think is not necessarily that easy for a lot of people. I think that's, again, just a personal disposition or that kind of thing that I was never, I never wanted to be kind of writing things that felt angry. Um, it just doesn't feel like who I am and, and kind of my personal voice, but I really liked being sarcastic and, and being silly and, and mocking these sort of larger systems or people that normally someone like me wouldn't have the opportunity um, to mock. And I think that's funny. And I take a lot of joy in that. Um, but a lot of people do have that struggle. And I certainly sort of understand where that comes from. Um, and really, it's just something that we try and pay attention to. We always say more sweet than bitter is the goal of trying to to really be funny. And then often, as long as you get your, your joke quote, as long as you get your five or your 10 jokes in there, you can really throw in one or two, like, harsh cutting sentences and they hit so much harder when they're surrounded by a bunch of silly jokes. Um, so that's kind of the, the tip I always give to the writers is sort of take all that anger and sort of concise it and squeeze it and get it really tight into one or two sentences that you can stick right in the middle of a bunch of silly things. And then it'll really be kind of a, a powerful jarring moment for the reader to read. I'm wondering if, um, Stephen, if you've had any instances where people have maybe found some of your your articles doing just doing searches and then reading and interacting with with you through your site and not realizing that it was satire. I would say it does happen. Um, maybe not as often as I think some people think, but it happens on occasion. Um, I do try and make it very clear in our profiles and things like that that we are a satire publication it's right in our instagram bio it's right in our website header it's very prominent in all of our social media that we are a satire publication and that's very intentional especially a lot of people for kind of different accessibility reasons um benefit from having that being very clear because we live in a an era of disinformation and misinformation all over the internet, so we never want to be kind of confused for that much slimier type of fake news um, that we don't want to be. And I think my strategy has always been when we get those comments to let the readers handle it. Like, I don't get involved, I won't post from the account. If someone comments like, oh my god, this is an atrocity, and how could this be real? I know that 
one of our readers will go in and comment that it's a joke and it's satire and someone will totally come to our defense. And that is very refreshing and allows us as a publication to not really have to worry about picking battles and calling people out and things like that. Um, I really kind of focus on the stories and the work that we're doing. And I let the the readers kind of defend us if need be. Yeah, because I always think it's interesting how sometimes people just don't take the time to look at the profiles or they or it just the article just comes up in a search and you don't necessarily read what is this source of this article. They just click the link and the next thing they know they're reading the content and they just take it for what whatever their mindset is without necessarily knowing all the backstory and the context of uh, the, the 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 way your 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 site operates, and I, I I'm that. Do you remember that story? Is sticking out in my head because it's kind of funny. The when I think it was Kim Jong Un thought that the onion was really complimenting his haircut, <laughs> <laughs> and he had no idea it was satire. And you know, so I I mean, that's to me is like one of the funniest examples ever. Of God, you did you were the butt of the joke, and you. Totally did not know what was, um, but I met, but I imagine just on a much lower level that it, you know, when you're doing satire, you you always are just inherently always running the risk of just people not understanding that this is what you do, and 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 you know, and it's, and especially sometimes in in those in the disability community, they you know, there's the the, the fuse is short, and you know, they don't want to be attacked, and you know, it's like, no, you, who are you to say about this and whatever. So, um, I just imagine that that there's probably like you know at least some instances where sometimes that could come up oh it, it definitely does happen i think there's a combination of people commenting like I, is this real like they're just like confused and then we also <laughs> get the occasional person that comments like this is so sad with like a crying emoji like, like they'll <laughs> see something and they'll think it's like tragic and i i mean i probably shouldn't think it's that funny but i do find it funny when when people really kind of mis misread the tone, or or if they find the satire sort of so believable, and I think that often speaks to how little people are used to talking about disability, and like our society has come a really long way in a lot of different areas, kind of talking about different minority groups and and diversity and what that means, but I think disability in particular is so often left out of that conversation that for people who aren't like well-versed in disability culture and disability language and things like that, they'll see a term like inspiration porn and they'll like, they'll wonder if they have to call the police. They'll be like, what is going on? Like they just can't handle it because it's so out of what they're familiar with. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I always say that, you know, ableism is, is a very, it's, it's a very nefarious type of ism because unlike all of the other isms where there's usually, usually, um, you know, a, a sort of a, a malicious intent behind it, quite often with ableist attitudes is that people don't even realize that they're ableist like they really don't like they really think that oh well they're just being nice or they're just trying to you know be helpful you know that person that you know grabs somebody with a, a mobility cane 
uh, and drags them across the street without even asking them whether or not they wanted to cross the street in the first place, you know, they might think that, hey, like I'm, I'm being a good person. I'm just trying to help. Ableism is so full of those types of ideas that I think that you're right. I think that for a lot of, a lot of segments of society, people don't just don't even clue in to what ableism is. Absolutely. And I think that even like I can tell from speaking to all of you, like our group, we understand the word ableism and we probably use it frequently enough that it feels normal to say. But I think for a lot of people, they've never even heard the term or they hear it and they immediately think that it's some kind of new conspiracy. It's not a real thing. Like right. it's it's disabled people trying to victimize themselves. There's a lot of real like odd reactions that people have just to the term ableism, like not even to the concept, but just the the word itself to make people angry. I think that is it, it puts a lot of power in our hands as satire writers that we can sort of make people feel such strong things with a few syllables. Well, and I think that that's the real importance of the, of the website and this whole idea is that it, it illustrates the absurdity of ableism without it being threatening. So I think it's it's a lot more, it's, it's a lot easier for people who maybe don't understand the concept to actually see when you when you dial it up just that little bit and make it super absurd and funny, you know, maybe they maybe they will reevaluate their own attitudes and and their own actions in a way. You're giving humanity Absolutely. too much credit. <laughs> they're not going to clue in. <laughs> Ableism wasn't part of our vocabulary seven to ten years ago. Right? It's going to take years for people to have their eyes open up to what that is and what what it all entails. Absolutely, I think one story that sort of comes to mind a lot when I am talking about ableism, ironically, is there is one that I wrote not too long ago, headlined, uh-oh, there's only one accessible bathroom stall, and they both need to poop. And it's a picture of two wheelchair users <laughs> waiting for the same bathroom stall. And it's one of those things that, like, it, it feels very silly and very harmless. But deep down, there is... There I'm is sorry. kind of a premise in there. Yeah, absolutely. You can see, you can yeah, see it there's happening. There's a premise that, like, not only, like, it, it really sucks when there's only one stall you can use because other people have five. And yeah. often that one stall that you can use is being used by someone that might not need it. And like that, it really kind of frames it in a way that feel, feels silly and harmless um, because I was so tired and exhausted of people writing posts about how they hate when non-disabled people use the stall mm -hmm. and that they have to wait and that they, you know, peed their pants. Like, these stories suck. I, did, I was tired of hearing them. But I was like, what's the funny angle here? And that was kind of how that all came together. But I think, Rob, like you had mentioned, it really, it takes what can be very serious and make it more inviting and and welcoming to people and let them see kind of what discrimination feels like, but in a more funny way. So I have a couple questions that I'm curious, curious about myself before we, because we definitely want to talk about the TV show also, but sure. mine are just really quick, simple little questions. So 
first one is how often do you publish and have you thought about releasing like an RSS feed for like the daily squeaker where we could each, you know, every day get a new story? As of now, the goal is usually around three stories a week. Okay. Um, and it, it comes and goes, some reach are more, some reach are less, but something that has been one of our principles from the beginning and something that I want to maintain as, as long as we can sustain it is that there's no deadlines for the writers. And I think that that's very unusual for most publications like this. Um, just because it's hard to produce quantity on a consistent basis without deadlines. But I think that it really makes our process more accessible to people if there is no deadlines. And it's one of those things that it's always at odds in that I want as many stories as fast as possible because that's great because I get to post them all and we love to, all the, we love to share stories as much as we can. But I don't like to put any pressure on anyone to submit things before they're ready or if they need to take off nine months without writing, like that's fine. That for everyone writing, this is kind of a side hobby thing. So I don't want it to become something that sort of needs to be done on any routine basis. Um, right. Personally, I, I try and write myself to fill in those gaps. So when I've noticed submissions are slow, that's when I put my writer hat on and I start writing a lot. And then when submissions are busy, I'm more in editor mode and I'm just really helping everyone get their stories to the best place. But for an RSS feed, that's a, that's a separate question. I do want to implement an RSS feed at some point. That's just, that's on the well, list. <laughs> on the list, yeah. Well, it's kind of a, you know, a segue, Rob, if you don't mind, into, you know, what is what is the TV show going to look like if you're not used to having deadlines? Because I'm sure that's going to change the way you're, you're currently doing things. So can you tell oh, us absolutely. more about how the TV show and, and what that's going to look like? Absolutely. So I can tell you a few things about it. It's very early on. Um, but first and foremost, the team behind the TV series is an entirely different team than the team behind the website, other than myself. I'm kind of the, the connection between the two. Um, and the TV series, which is being produced by Hitspeed Productions and is hopefully going to air on AMI in Canada, um, is entirely staffed by disabled Canadian comedy writers. And for them, this is a paid job. And when it becomes employment, then it's a little more reasonable to put deadlines on it. Um, so right. that's really the main difference is that the TV show is a, is a whole different team. And for those people, it is their, their full-time job at the moment. Um, we are currently in week two of writing for the show. Oh, wow. um, and it'll be filming in a few months and then it'll be releasing, like I said, probably in the summer. Um, obviously it's far from now, so I don't have mm -hmm. a ton of details, but I'm working very closely with them. Um, they approached me with the idea because they were fans of the website and we really tried to take all of the best things from the website, all of the things that make it special and funny and powerful and then think about how does that translate to video format because it's an entirely different medium. Um, and I don't want to get into too many of the specifics, but 
as you can imagine, a lot of these stories are sort of can really jump off the page when you envision them in your head. Yeah. And we've come up with a really fun kind of variety sketch show format that I think is going to be really exciting. Yeah, I was going to ask if it was going to be like AMI audio or if there was the video component to it. So that's great. That should be interesting. And is it going to be called yes. the squeaky wheel? I think it will be either exactly the squeaky wheel or some slight variation on it. Okay. Um, as I said, we're very early on, but that is kind of say the things and also sure i know you mentioned the audio component um we're going to be doing integrated video descriptions and that'll be really exciting because the entire show will be a tv series but all of the jokes all of the humor everything will be in the audio so for viewers who are only listening and either choosing not to look at the screen or because of a disability can't see the screen um, they won't be missing out at all because every joke will be in the audio. Love Very it. cool. Yeah, looking forward to yeah, watching it, hearing it. That was one thing I, I kind of noticed when I was looking at the site, you know, well, just after we had you booked, Stephen, and then again today when Rob sent the headlines over just to review is, the, you know, there definitely could be an audio component to that website, right, and, and to the content. So, yeah, I'm glad to see that's coming. Absolutely. I think the TV series is certainly one one project that's really bringing that audio component to life, as well as a video component. Um, but I do think separately on the website, we're kind of experimenting with some ways to, to make the web content uh, into audio content as well. Very cool. Writers, how how many do you do you find that you have a lot of of people that that want to submit? And if do you accept submissions from anybody? Yes, yeah, so I, I think there's so many people who want to submit, and then it becomes a much smaller number of people who actually do submit once they receive um, our writer's guide, which is basically just a, a couple pages explaining again how to submit. Um, and then we have people that join and write one story and then you never hear from them again. And then there's other people, and I mentioned Leslie earlier, but Leslie was like our second or third writer um, who started basically when I launched the site three years ago and has written probably 20 stories since then. So it really, it varies person to person. And my kind of duty as editor-in-chief is to, welcome people in if they want to write for us, give them the tools that they need to write a funny story, um, publish it and kind of amplify their story as much as I can and get the most eyeballs on it. And then if they're done and they don't want to do any more, that's fine. Or if they want to keep writing for us, that's great. Um, we just, just recently raised enough money where we can pay our writers for the stories that get published, which is exciting. Um, it's a small amount and it's still hopefully will get bigger in the future. But our team, I think, is really a mix of people who are committed heavily to it or just doing it for a fun thing to do once or twice. And either way, I'm delighted to have them with us. Listen, Stephen, we want to thank you so much for taking some time out and talking with us. Love the site. Uh, if people want to read the site, people want to submit, uh, where can they find you guys online? 
Absolutely. So our website is thespreakyreal.org. And most of our followers follow us on Instagram at the Streaky Real, and that's S Q K Y. So the S Q K Y Real. If you search the whole Streaky Real, we should come up either way, but you'll find us there on Instagram. And if you're on our website, I really encourage everyone not only to read our stories, but take a look at the other things we have going on. We have merchandise, we have a fun Patreon. We have an email list that you can get stories directly emailed to you. So really sort of encourage everyone to to take a deep look. Um, and also a fun thing I love to tell everyone to do is if you're a disabled person, search your disability in the search bar on our website and you'll find 10 stories about your specific <laughs> lived experience. So that's kind of a fun little uh, fun little party game for, for our disabled friends. You can find me on Instagram at a the Stephen Really Creative, or not the Stephen Really Creative, just Stephen Really Creative. <laughs> yeah, and actually, I have to give a shout out to your merch because uh, you have a whole collection of of really great T-shirts and hoodies and stuff that actually really made me chuckle as well. I think my favorite was there's a uh, there's a service dog dish, uh, and on the front of it, it's like just like a food bowl for for your guide dog, but it it says. Uh, I'm not like other dogs. I have a real job. I'm glad you, uh, yeah. you enjoyed that one. And it's true. I feel like all the disability merch that's out there is kind of boring and sucks. Yeah. And that was why I wanted to, to make stuff that I liked that I thought was funny. Totally. Um, or, or, the, yeah. or the T-shirt that says, I may be disabled, but I'm also fairly mediocre and uninspiring. <laughs> Love it. Not real. I say I see I'm getting that one for Christmas. Yeah, you're, you're totally dude. <laughs> Great holiday gift idea. Totally. So, so go check them out, the squeakywheel.org. Steven, thanks so much. Best of luck uh with the site and the TV show. And please come back uh when it's when you're closer to airing the show. We'd love to have you back on and, and uh I'll talk promote about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to come back once I have more uh, more TV things to talk about. Sounds but good. Thank okay. you, Ryan. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Liz. Thank, thank you. you. It's been a pleasure, Thanks, Stephen. All right. All right. Thanks, have a good guys. night. Bye. Take care. Good night. Oh. And you know what I found really surprising? What? What? He's from New York, and Liz didn't even jump on that. Yeah, you're right. I actually <laughs> thought about that when he first said that. I was like, oh, here I, we go. We're going to end exactly. the podcast. Exactly. I was waiting for it. Like, oh, hey. I didn't want to hijack it and get called out. <laughs> he called out anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, you just I'm damned. can't win. <laughs> I'm damned if I do. I'm damned no, if I don't. You know, okay. We, we... So, yeah, you know what? Just for that, um, Stephen, fellow New Yorker, I am going to ping you. I've already found you on social media. So, there. <laughs> run, Stephen, run. She'll meet you at Luigi's Pizzeria on 27th Street. Um, no, it'll be um, it'll be famous Ray's Pizza. And then the famous. question is, which one? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is a fame is famous Ray, original Ray's famous Ray's. And like, um, yeah. No, but oh, such a such a great site, uh, and it's so hard to stop stop reading. I was actually looking uh, looking at it on my lunch break, and I had to actually tear myself away because there's just so <laughs> much so much really great content, and it's such a great idea because 
um, it's just a, it's a great way to talk about these these hard topics in a way that it's it's not going to threaten people. And hopefully, you hope that I don't know. There's some people out there that might actually mm-hmm. you know grab a clue um, by reading some of this stuff. Yeah. No, they're doing great work, and and like he mentioned, there's not a lot of people taking this angle, right? So, oh, no, no, not at all. Because I think that you know, for a lot of people, you know, I think people who don't know any better, uh, they're they'd probably be slightly horrified at the mm-hmm. idea of a satire website around disability. Like yeah. that, they would think that that's really it's taboo. A you can't do thing. that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I was thinking about a video component of the website and I thought, well, you know, the onion used to do the thing where they used to have like the whole like fake newscast where they actually like read the story, like they had anchors that. Well, that's what I was thinking of reading, reading the stories, even just, you know, audio without the video. It'd be cool to have an audio, just click here to play. Right. That's right. How are we going to make more work for Steven? (laughs) (laughs) Well, they've done phenomenal in three years. Yeah, he really has. Like, it's it's a, such a great site. So uh, I highly recommend the audience. Go check it out, read it, share it with your network. Uh, and hey, I'm excited about the TV show uh, next summer. That's it is required cool. reading for our audience, and we expect email from you to tell us what your favorite top story, story was, favorite story was. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's it. Right. That's a win-win. We get people going to the guest's website and we get emails. Mm-hmm. Our two favorite things. Yep. Hey, Perfect. and even Ryan, our own Ryan may be in the running for best funny. There may be a story by Ryan. There yep. may be. Cool. I'm sensing a story. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I want a headline, Avocado Strikes Back. <laughs> <laughs> Avocado's <laughs> Revenge. Yeah, that's right. Ableist avocado. <laughs> Who's pitted now? Who's? Oh, God. I don't know. I don't know what the what the avocado would have been saying while I was stabbing you, but. Well, I was stabbing me. <laughs> <laughs> Stop stabbing yourself. I was stabbing me. The avocado. The avocado was just sitting there pointing and laughing. So. <laughs> What are you blind? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> you know what's kind of funny is that when I was at the doctor's office, I was waiting for someone to kind of do the. Do you did it have anything to do with the or should you be doing a gesture <laughs> like this with your you know I, but no one said anything. Um, they no, all just good. listened and yes, but yeah. So I'll tell you, they no ableism at my doctor's office. <laughs> but wait, but no, but like, cause really, where did it, ha- so you, you went to stab the center of the, the avocado, right? To get it in and you, you just, you the, the avocado or did it, did it, did it glance off and hit your hand? It, it happened so fast that I think that my aim was just off. I see. She missed the pit and went through the avocado into her hand. And I went, yeah. And I just kind of, yeah. So, and I don't think it had, I don't think it had anything to do with my sight. I think I probably had just done it a thousand times, probably got a little avocado cocky Yeah. with my technique. and was like, oh my God, I do this all the time. And just jab, 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 jab. And then, yeah. And I just, yeah. So no, well, that's true. I think jabbing. Hmm? <laughs> it's like jab, 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 jab. Well, die, well, avocado, die. Well, I've had to jab it multiple times because sometimes like I didn't get the knife in enough. So I'd be like, oh, I got to do it harder. And, you know, so. Get a bigger knife. 
Now you, well, let me just tell you, bigger <laughs> knife, bigger wound. <laughs> Get a Dremel. <laughs> That's right. Actually, you and Steve. I need, okay, you know story. what? I, I need some listeners to be kind and send me guacamole, okay? Can, can people just, can we do a, can we do a fundraiser, a GoFundMe so that we could, so Liz can just have guacamole so she won't stab herself anymore. You've yeah. seen the price of guacamole? Yeah, we'd have to do a GoFundMe to see. <laughs> That's why like she's trying 80, to make her own. dollars <laughs> a gram. Or grow her uh, own. Yeah. I, well, my little baby ate my little baby tree. Yeah. My, yeah. my, my sapling. That's smart. I've, with the price of coffee, I'm considering like turning my living room into like a little coffee bean field. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you with a lot of with a lot of nurturing care and sunlight and water and the right soil and fertilizer I'll, I'll have a I'll have fruited avocados from that tree in about 15 years <laughs> yeah. there you go no fingers left but hey. <laughs> I got it'll a be, tree it'll be oh, awesome no. when I'm sitting out in the back in a rocking chair because that's all I can do I'm like so old now I'm like but I got my damn avocados <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I need to gnaw them without my teeth. Oh, pretty much. Yeah. Um, um, uh, all right. Shall we get out of here? Sure. Let's get out of here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's... Hey, Liz. Hi, Rob. Uh, where the hell can people find us? Uh, they can find us at atbanter.com. You know what? 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 It's almost Christmas again. Yeah. Yeah. Where did the year go? Yeah, I know. Like we just Whoa. had summer and like Halloween's yeah, creeping right. up on us. And now like we're two months away from Christmas already. Okay. Let's not talk about Christmas. Okay. I know. It's, it's, you know, it drives me crazy that I'm already seeing Christmas movies when I'm yeah. scrolling through the TV guide. So let's not sad. do it. It's not even Halloween yet. Let's go through Halloween. And then we go through Thanksgiving, even though you don't. We um, just had ours. Your your Canadian Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving so, was on Monday. Yep. So we still have ours, and then then we can talk Christmas. I know. No, I'm just know saying what? the year has just disappeared on us. No, it's been every year. I'm telling you, it's this is a conspiracy theory. Every year they push they they push it earlier and earlier <laughs> when they start the Christmas marketing. I swear, yeah. it used to be oh. right after Remembrance Day for for us in here mm-hmm. in Canada. That's around mid November. Uh, that's when you would start to see. Um, Christmas stuff starting to pop up and then slowly but surely it was like then it was like oh just after Halloween uh you that's when you would start seeing they would they would you know dump the Halloween stock and then boom you'd be Christmas stock uh and now I feel like it's it's creeping up now and now it's like even mid-October and you're right you're starting to see Christmas stuff you have meathead co-hosts that start to mention it So he's obviously we'll start preparing for the stuff. Christmas show. Oh, but now it's true. So whatever. Got to start anyway. preparing. November's almost booked, so we got to start thinking about December. Is November almost booked? Uh, I got to talk to you about that. Actually, I don't even know. It's we have the fourteenth clear. Uh, no, no, I just I just oh. booked a guest. All right. Well, we'll talk off mic about that. Okay. Okay. Anyways, um, where were we? We still um, got to get through Halloween. We haven't even done Halloween. Halloween. We haven't even gotten through the outro, let alone Halloween. Oh, that's Let's true. Derailed the train again. 
Jeez. All right. Uh, they can also email us if they so desire, and they should desire because we want to hear all about your favorite uh, squeaky wheel story uh, at cowbell. The fuck's a cowbell? You didn't hear it? No. No. Did you hear it at the beginning of the show? Yeah. No. It, wait, no, we didn't. You're right. I thought you left that pause out. I thought you I, didn't. No, yeah. I've, hit it. I've hit it each time. That that's oh, why that's effort. that's that's why um that's why Rob you made the comment about oh so you only do one or the other either you do the cowbell or you do that's, the banter banter yeah we didn't hear the cowbell we were yeah, like we didn't I thought yeah oh that explains I've just hit it two more times so no there's no. nothing it's no, right. well, it must be well and that's the other what thing we're gonna do we Zoom. can't. Well, that's what I'm thinking game. about Zoom again. I did an update, and my original audio is gone. Oh, uh, that's why. I, guess I don't have sure. an original audio do? anymore. Is, I, okay. Uh, at Cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> Insert sound okay. file here. No, I'm telling you, I <laughs> promised the audience a long time ago that I would never do a canned cowbell. We can't, we can't do a canned Too cowbell. Too bad, audience. You're getting a canned cowbell this no, week. We, no, they're not. You're Liz, you be the cowbell, okay? You be the cowbell. Can, Me? And they can email us. Why am I at, the cowbell? You, they can email us. How did I, cow, I got stabbed today, yesterday. yesterday. That was yesterday. Be the cowbell. Let <laughs> <laughs> Ryan hit you. They can cowbell. email us at Moo. cowbell. Moo. That's <laughs> 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 Oh anybody all right well that's good about doing for us this week no where else can people find us damn it <laughs> wow he's getting wrong damn it damn facebook it. twitter no. instagram no. click clock <laughs> well it's not even true <laughs> you did you did you not get their name right we're not even there anyway god you're just being a dick now. I think Ryan stuck into my Vicodin stash. Yeah, I think Facebook so. right. and oh. Twitter and Instagram and Mastodon. That's right. So final wrapping up thought. I did also find it very interesting that um, we no one mentioned this at the time, but did you notice Liz completely lost it for like five minutes at the word poop? Yes, it was, I heard her. It wasn't, it, was at, it wasn't. It wasn't at the word poop. It was just the whole funny thing about. Oh, sorry, yeah. It was poop, a. It was just it was a poop joke and two yeah. wheelchair users <laughs> both have to poop and yeah, that was. Funny. And then of course, I got the visual of like two wheelchairs outside of one stall and like <laughs> who's got to poop more? And I just <laughs> let me okay. let me just tell you in the ladies' room, yeah, it is like um, serious warfare that happens sometimes. Like, I mean, women who have cut the line because they just like, you know, would just swoop in and, you know, because they had to go so bad or whatever. And um, I hear the men's room is more civilized, but the women's room is just, it's just, it can well, be. We just, we have urinals. We're all in a row. We just stand there and say, hey, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks. How are you? Good. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we've I, all got, a, we've all got a trough, right? So, yeah. <laughs> but the big venues is just a big trough. It's just like you pee yeah. on the wall. So, yeah, no, but, but there's there's some angry know, behavior I, that sometimes. Oh, in well, listen, listen. If men had to use stalls, if yes, uh, if we had to wait in those lineups, because you know you go to a concert or something, and you you walk by the the women's washroom, and yeah, there's like a a 15 minute line, and if that was men, I mean, let me tell you, things would be changing. Be fights, a lot bigger washrooms. I always say, like as a woman, you have to be very strategic 
about your bathroom mm. breaks. Like you have to know, okay, anticipate an intermission and anticipate yeah. the break of an inning and and know how many people are going to dart and don't wait till you, oh my God, I got to pee. Like, like yeah. you, to, you know what? I'll, I'm just going to like go ahead and just cross, yeah, hit it, you know, what is it? Um, cut it off at the pass and not, <laughs> before it becomes like, you know, yeah. an emergency. Go when you don't even need to. Yeah, you got to, you got to, you got to think ahead. So. Yeah. Mm hmm. So, you know, words to live by. I'm just telling you to my to my male friends about insight into women. This is, you know, yeah. the struggle is real. So it all started because yeah. you ate the apple. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that'll teach you. They got childbirthing, they got bathroom lineups, they got they got a bad. It's all because they couldn't resist an apple. Oh, no. oh. Hey, I'll email to hey Ryan at <laughs> Interesting. All right, let's get out of here. That's it. Says. That, <laughs> that <laughs> is going to about do it for us this week. A big thanks, of course, to Stephen for joining us. And we will see everybody next week. Bong. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778 778- 847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. 